Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to another special edition of the Beer Show here on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. It's another town ball edition of the Beer Show. It's Reavers here, and I'm bringing out a radio professional. It's, t- it's time to class this show up once in a while here. And uh, my buddy, uh, Jeremy Stender, is here in studio. He is the voice of the Young America Cardinals and people that listen to this radio show and uh, this radio station probably remember when you did the first town ball classic this year at Target yeah, Field. Well, first, thanks for having me. Professional. I of don't course. Know about that. I don't know that I've heard that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I should say, you know, the, I, I like the voice of the Crow River Valley League. I don't want to say That's that true. I just... That That's I just, true. Uh, but Young America is definitely where my ties are, yeah. and I'm still... Still hurting a little bit from that one on Saturday. So night. remind me, you guys lost out to was it Buckman? Buckman. Okay. Seventeen innings. That's right. Yeah. It was the marathon game. Yeah. Like, what time did that get over? I, I think it was just before midnight. Holy cow! And uh, yeah, I mean, what do you do? I, Buckman's a great team. It was a, it was a great game. Uh, Josh Lenz, who kind of gave himself the the name last year I think everyone he kind of came onto the scene and sure. everyone figured out who he was I mean he was he was just outstanding he left after 14 innings and I don't know what the final pitch count was but he retired the last 22 in a row that That's he faced amazing he had 31 strikeouts and 21 innings in the state tournament in two games didn't get a win because our first game was a three to two game in 12 innings okay. this one was three to two and 17 but uh, you know there are a couple people that thought maybe he should have been part of that all tournament team, but hard to say when you don't get a win. But uh, right. you know, J- Josh is a gamer. It was unbelievable, and like I said, it still hurts three days later. So let's get into the kind of the nuts and bolts of it because one of the things that I truly appreciated about this year's um, state amateur baseball tournament was I wasn't able to make it over there until yesterday to watch the two, and I watched a fair amount of both championship games in Class C and the two games in Class B. But what I love is the coverage that you guys do at KGLB. You know, guys like Eric Croucher, Kip Kova, all those guys do such a great job of covering it. And, you know, the, the NBA site itself, where you can follow along from, you know, your living room or wherever you might be. Well, you know, we, we talk about Twitter, and some people say that Twitter is kind of becoming the social medium that is going to the side. Yeah. But. For amateur baseball, no. it's just the complete opposite. And yep. that's kind of become, for people like you and I, who are just amateur baseball rubes mm-hmm. and we like to know what's going on, you can always find out. And, you know, Reavers, I started, you know, when I started at KGLB or launched the station in 2009, you know, those first couple state tournaments we'd go to, you would maybe have a few, you know, three, four radio, other radio stations that we're covering. Now you've got oh. internet, you've got radio, you've got guys tweeting, like you mentioned, Krauser and Kovar, guys from newspapers all over. It's just amazing. I mean, you can pretty much find 
any game you want to and listen to at the mm-hmm. state tournament. There were maybe out of what 47 games in that Class C tournament. And I don't mean to leave Class B out, but Class C, as far as radio, just seems to get a little bit more of the coverage. But I bet you could have found 35 to 40 of those games oh, on easily. a radio or some sort of stream. I, well, so perfect it's just case. amazing. K check too. We, let's not leave out those guys because uh, they they cover a lot of our games in the DRS. And I'm literally in my uh, in my bathroom giving my sons a bath, and I've got their app, and I'm listening to the New Market game on my app. Yeah, I mean it was just it's it's amazing. You know, um, I was I was actually talking to uh, to to one of our um, um, other managers on my way over here today to see you, and he had just said, "Did did you have a chance to look at the stream numbers?" Oh, from over the weekend. I can't and, imagine. And I didn't. And and we carried two games on Saturday. We carried the Cologne-Bemidji game, uh, which was at one thirty in Cologne, obviously. I'm sure we'll talk about them a little bit, but yeah. they're kind of the media darling. Absolutely. Uh, and and then the Young America-Buckman game, you know, with uh, 17 innings that night, we had almost 4,000 listener sessions on the stream and this is for amateur baseball this is a little small town radio station out in glencoe that's cool but but four thousand listener sessions of people just wanting to tune in and listen to town ball so it's it's just something that i think like like i said before with twitter and with all of the different radio stations and internet and newspapers that are kind of getting behind this and Let's be honest. We've been aided by the Fox Nine Town yes, Ball Tour. Yep. You know, has has helped. We've been aided by uh, the Town Ball Uniquely Minnesota. I mean, yep. Royce's come to state tournaments. I remember, you know, going back to 2007 when it was out in Hamburg and, and him sitting in the little Parkside bar out there. And, Although, you know, I'm pissed at him right now, yeah, right? Well, you should be. Why? Because he uh, was supposed to be my driver yesterday. <laughs> that was our original plan was he was going to pick me up at my house and we were going to go to Delano first and then go up to Maple Lake later. But so anyway, but, yeah, but I totally agree. Well, and it, so, I mean, just all of this and it and it's just kind of culminated and it's gotten bigger and yep. it's gotten better. And I don't know, I think you and I maybe talked about it at uh, at the uh, town ball thing at, at Target Field this year was how it just seemed that last year it was at a New Prague and Shakopee they were asking a lot of people you know who you're coming to cheer for and they were finding out that so many people were just coming there because mm-hmm. of the intrigue and and they had watched maybe some of that Fox Nine stuff or they had you know they followed along on Twitter and. I mean, this is a really big thing, and it's a pretty cool thing. And I think Royce's talked about it before, too, is that if you haven't been there, if you haven't been to the games, you just don't understand it. You don't get it. Yep. And uh, I think Terry Steinbach said it best in that Town Ball Uniquely Minnesota is people just they don't understand. They don't get the impact that this has on so many lives, whether it's wives and kids and grandparents. Everybody's and everybody. invested. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think a case in point, I when I went to the – the Jordan and uh, Hutchinson game yesterday in uh, in Delano. I you know I was down. First of all, let's let's tip of the cap to both Maple Lake and Delano. Those two facilities are gorgeous, and boy did they pull they pulled off a great tournament. Not to slight Dassel, but I did not see any games at Dassel. But they're also a really great park and a really great program. It's no wonder that. Because they just hosted in 2013, and a lot of people thought, well, is it too soon for them to get it back? Well, I think that they proved, no, it's not. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Delano, you know, I had been there a bunch in in 2013, and and I'll admit I hadn't been back since then, but I just couldn't believe the transformation. I mean, that's become one of my instant favorite parks in the state of Minnesota. And Maple Lake is a true 
town ball yep. park. Yep. And and I, I just love it. it. It's got all of the aesthetics of kind of that small town feel. And, uh, you know, it, it's amazing what these teams are doing and what these organizations are doing every year. I mean, I can't wait now to get back to New Ulm. Um, in two years, it's going to be in Waconia and Chaska, you know, mm-hmm. right down the road from us, which mm-hmm. will be really nice. I can't wait until they host it, too. It's just they're stepping up, you know, they're, they're, they're raising the level of greatness every year. And it's just be- and Delano and Maple Lake, it's going to be tough for New Ulm uh, to follow it up. But you know what? They're going to. I know they are it's because so that's f- what they do. It's so funny that you say that because when I got to the Chanhassen game, uh, yesterday, I ran into two members of the state board that'll go nameless right now, but they they like giving me the business once in a while. But they both walked up to me and said, "Because we're hosting it with Dundas in 2022," and they said they looked around and said, "You got your work cut out for you, son." And we do, and we know that, and, and that's but that's hey, that's that that's the price of poker. It's what you take on, right? Yep. And uh, you know, th- and that's what people that again don't understand the whole thing is. And, and let's be honest, there's a lot of parks who don't have the ability or don't have the resources and aren't going to be able to host the state tournament, but there's a lot of little hidden gems all across their oh, state for of, sure. with hundreds of people in organizations that are, are just making things uh, look unbelievable, playing surfaces are great, and I, I think that on that Town Ball Uniquely Minnesota, they've told such a great story that, you know, I know the final episode I don't think has, has aired yet, but... They're almost going to be able to leave it open for a continuum, sure. Because they've told so many great stories in the the set first seven episodes mm-hmm. that I've heard, but there's so many that have been untold. And I know you can't tell every one. I know that's not possible when you're doing th- seven or eight thirty minute shows, but it's open, you know, to to mm-hmm. go on because there are a lot more stories that you can tell. And I think just trying to get that into some of these people's heads that get to see this and what it means and what it means to some of these small towns when you see, you know, Buckman and farming pulling up with buses and loads <laughs> of people getting out yeah. and maybe a few empty beer cans, oh, too, yeah. you know, that are that are pouring out. But it's just fun. It, it, it's an unbelievable, and again, hats off to Delano and Maple Lake and, and Dassel. They just did an unbelievable job. So case in point, uh, you were mentioning how, you know, there's a lot of people now that are maybe just becoming town ball fans. When I was at the Jordan game yesterday, I was down the, down the, uh, the right field line where the drink reels were. I know that's, that your, people are going to find that shocking. But I, Guys, I just wanted to kind of take in the vibe of, I think I was sitting in the Jordan section, but there was a guy that was sitting next to me with his wife, and we just struck up conversation, and I asked, well, who are you, who are you rooting for? He goes, nobody. I said, really? He goes, yeah, we just moved to the area, and we've fallen in love with town baseball. So here's a guy, I think he said Georgia, who got relocated uh, to that part of the state for work, and he just wants to go to, and he, he had said that they had been to about six or seven games just for the tournament alone yeah, which is cool and that and that's unbelievable and that's kind of the effect that it has you know on certain people and i think you and i in that regard kind of have similar stories where we moved out of our original hometown and all of a sudden we were kind of back in the area yeah. and we found ourselves back in it and wanting to get involved in it and you know i know you you know taking over chanhassen and then being at faribault me being from young america and moving back out into that area getting on the board and starting up a radio station you know i just thought 10 years ago when I started that radio station that there was something there for amateur baseball and knock on wood to this day, it's been right. And and there's been a lot of people that uh, have not only appreciated the radio station and what it's done, but I think that it's given a whole cast of new radio stations that 
maybe weren't trying stuff that now are trying it, and it's just enhancing the product and yeah. making it better. I, I completely agree with that. And and we were mentioning, too, that it, it just becomes it becomes addictive. I remember you know, the year I left Chanhassen in 2011, and I took, because my wife was about to have uh, our first son, and I thought, okay, I'll take the summer off. It was the worst summer of my life. Because it's probably first, hers too. Oh, she yeah. she made me go back to Faribault. She said, "You got to get out of here. You're driving us crazy." And that's that's literally what happens. Which which is you know, again, it, it's it because now she's involved and and the and the boys are involved. They love you know. It's it's that's not that we need to explain that to anybody that is involved. But that is the addictive nature of of what town baseball is. And become. I think my eight year old daughter was probably more sad. Not that Young America lost on Saturday night, but it was the last game yep. she was going to this summer. Oh man! You know, realizing oh we've got to wait until next May. <laughs> you know, and so so I like that part of it, yeah. and uh, and it's fun now that she's gotten to that age. The youngest one still quite isn't there, but now oh, I can yeah. Willow can tag along with me to just about every game. And she's going to find a game or there's a park or there's something for her to do. And she just loves being around that. All right. So I know you were heavily connected to uh, the, the teams that have reached. You guys are Region 7, correct? Region 7, Region yes. 7. So give me maybe one or two of your biggest takeaways from uh, this year's State Amateur Tournament. Because I have a couple, but I'm curious to get your perspective on this. I, you know, I, I think that the biggest takeaway, and it's not... It's not uh, it's not their fault, but I want to talk about New Market because that's exactly where I was going. Th- th- I mean, they're, they're such a heavy favorite, right? And sure. I think everyone knew that. I, I think that, and I'm not saying it as a Young America guy. I think Young America on the other side of the bracket was also uh, one of the big favorites, but it's really, really hard to navigate this state tournament. Oh God, yeah. And I think that sometimes people don't understand it. It's a different game than basketball or football. You know, at this level where you're talking about a lot of times the biggest, strongest, or the fastest is going to win. And, you know, you, you can just one little play, one minute play. I mean, the other night, I don't know if you heard it, but Buckman wins in the 17th inning, stealing home on the catcher, throwing it back to the pitcher. Oh, my goodness. I did not and, know how that's yeah, how it ended. And, you know, so so just something, you know, little like that on, a, on what was, you know, new market. They don't give up a run. The first three games nope. that they play in the tournament, you know, they're everyone they're they're playing the part right of overwhelming favorite, and they run into a Hutchinson team that I'm going to tell anyone, you know, I've watched Hutchinson enough over the years. I'm not sure there's a team that rakes more than the 48 teams that were in the Class C tournament than the Hutchinson Huskies. I mean, mm-hmm. that lineup's been scary. The one thing that people have always worried about a little bit with the Hutch Huskies are they just going to be able to pitch it enough, especially. On Labor Day weekend, where yep. you got to win four games, yep. and guess what? They did. You know, yesterday it was you know the, the bats went quiet a little bit. Uh, Anderson, the kid from uh, Blue Earth, was outstanding he for was the Jordan. Really, really good. Jordan Brewers. I mean, if you had told the Jordan Brewers going into the weekend you're going to be the state champions, but over the course of the next four games you're only going to score 13 runs. Wow, that's think, yet- you know, do you think that they're going to say, yeah, I mean, and we got to remember too, the two teams that are playing yesterday, Hutchinson on Friday nights, down two to one, going to the top of the ninth inning, yep. they win in 11, they end up in the championship game. Jordan Brewers, their first game on Saturday morning at 11 o'clock, it takes them 12 innings to beat Fergus Falls one to nothing. That's crazy. That's how close it is. Yeah. And both of those teams went on and won, well, Jordan won three more and, and Hutch won two more. So it's just, it's so minute. 
how how things have to go, and you need a little bit of luck. What, you do. They always say that in March Madness, too. Yep. you got to have one or two breaks that go your way. And I always have had the, the long-held theory, and I might be wrong, but I have always said, yes, you and you, you, you almost have to be perfect, especially on Liberty Weekend, for four days in a row, whatever the case might be. And I have always contended, I don't want to have a really dramatic, emotional win and then have to play the next day. I mean, yeah, you want to win regardless, but I've always said that there's just the human element of, of of a letdown, especially if it's a late night game and then you got to come back and play at eleven o'clock. Typically, then you're flat. Yeah, I've I've always long held that. And and Buckman kind of did their best to disprove that theory, right? They yeah. came out, you know, twelve hours later or fourteen hours later, and they're on the field against Farming and they get a win and. You know they were they lost four to three to Jordan. Mm-hmm. You know in the state semis, so they almost were able to pull something like that off. And don't forget that catcher for Buckman caught right. seventeen innings, right. and he was out there catching again yeah. on, on on Saturday or on Sunday. I mean, you and they would have had to wheel oh, us in here. No uh, you, doubt. Know, <laughs> you know, there's not enough icy that. hot in you exactly. know in any Walgreens within you know five counties for yeah. me to be able to do but, that. But so I I think the the new market, and I don't want to I don't mean to single out new market or single out Young America, but people always have favorites, so they always put favorites on it. Those were the, the two teams I picked yeah. in the championship and, game. And uh, you know, I'll my the Young America guys hate it because I. I actually pitched picked Hutch to win the whole thing. You did just because I, I just had a feeling um, in the uh, who did I have them? Pl- I had them playing Young America. The Young America guys were really mad at me that 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 was kind of the way my bracket had went out. But uh, you know, Chris Dahman, who I, I do a lot of games with on KGLB, he he just kind of he made the point early in the tournament too. Was he goes? I've just got a feeling about the Jordan Brewers because the last few years they've just kind of been laying in the weeds. Really, if you remember, it was in twelve and thirteen they came so close. I think they got to the and fourteen when they hosted. Yes, you know, they're they in the state in the state semis. I think, and because uh, they so, lost to New Ulm because we would yes. have played Jordan in that tournament in Jordan. Yeah. I thought that'd be great. Yeah. You know, playing the hometown <laughs> team in their park. But yeah, continue. But, you know, they, so they've just been kind of, it seems like, laying in the weeds the last couple of years. And, you know, last year it didn't end the way that they wanted. They were out the second weekend as a, as a region champ. And so they just hadn't had that deep run. And sometimes what happens is you kind of get a label. And I think the Jordan Brewers – Got a little bit of label. Got a little bit of a label by some people that maybe they weren't going to be. Maybe they weren't that state championship caliber team anymore. Well, guess what? Right. They still were, obviously, and they proved it. But they also, I think, you know, in, in I hadn't watched the Jordan Brewers that close. In fact, I think we played them, Faribault. Now, I think we played them three years ago at their park, just a regular season game. But the one thing I've always been impressed with just that program as a whole. They're just guys that get it. They're, they're guys that know how to grind out in that bat. They're guys that know how to kind of you know put something together when they're when it's needed. In case in point, yesterday when they believe the three runs they got in that bottom bottom of the fifth, I believe it was. They it, get one out of the infield. Was, that's that's just yeah. it. It was it was compl- it was a baseball clinic. It was exactly mm-hmm. how you play the game, and that's what they did. And that's what and that's how they've always done it. You know, my my dad last night I was I was with him and and we were just talking a little bit about the state tournament and he had listened to that game too and and uh, you know he was just amazed. Oh, three Beckmans in the lineup because he played against all the Beckmans oh, back sure. in the eighties. Now and, they're all uh, is Ron their dad is Ron the yes, dad of all three yes. of the kids. I, I believe okay. so. I okay. believe so. Okay, so okay, if cool. any of those guys are listening, I don't know that for sure, and, right. and I'm sure we'll be corrected on Twitter right, if, if we're wrong. But uh, you know, and and my dad said just listening to that game. He watched them a little bit earlier in the tournament, and he said it was exactly like the Jordan teams yep. in the 80s and 90s that just grinded and scuffled. They pitch, they field, 
And, you know, this Jordan team, they'll even tell you. I mean, they've told me. They, but they haven't been the greatest hitting team over the course of the last four or five seasons. Sure. And that's maybe been the one area that has sometimes kept them down. But that doesn't mean they're not grinders. And, no. and they did. Again, they scored 13 runs in four games. So that means they defended well and they pitched really well. And they got some timely hits when they needed. And you look at it, a three-run inning yesterday – that was enough that was to the difference. give them the state championship. And you look at the guy, I mean, Joe Lucas. I mean, he is the definition of a town ball player. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's just he's just the guy that says, yep, give me the ball. You know, I, I love guys like that. Yeah, him and, you know, another one, and I, I went to school with him at, at Concordia in St. Paul, but Scott Hollingsworth. I sure. Mean, he, he's yep. just he's just an unbelievable true gamer. He's he's one of my one of my favorite players to watch in amateur baseball, and, you know, part of the reason is because he's a little bit older than I am. So it still makes us feel <laughs> so Still, young. <laughs> so it still makes me feel pretty good. But I mean, you know, he's out there playing left field. He had to take the mound on Sunday. You know, the guy still hits cleanup for them. He had the walk-off hit against Fergus Falls in the twelfth inning. You know, he, he's just he's just one of these unique talents. And of course, he's had a little bit of a taste. You know, he was in the minor leagues yeah. and you know, very very accomplished resume. But uh, you know, I was happy for those guys. I've gotten to know some of those Jordan guys over the years, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm as happy for them as I would have been for for my young American sure. guys, but uh, you know, it, it very well deserving. And I, like I said, I just think people had kind of counted Jordan. They knew they were really good, but I don't know if people, I think people, some people counted them out over the last few years. Well, and I think too, it just comes down to, it's a case of, you know, survival, just survive in advance, you know, to, to steal a phrase. But I, I just think that that's what it ultimately comes down to, especially that, that Labor Day weekend. I, I was asked, I think via either via email or on Twitter about, you know, which game should I highlight? And I, I basically just said, listen, all of these games are going to be great. You don't get to Labor Day by accident. You know, mm-hmm. I know Newmarket had the 16 and nothing game against Spicer, but you don't get to Labor Day by accident. A lot of people were picking New London Spicer in that game. I mean, were that's really? how good. I mean, that's how, and I, I shouldn't say a lot, but New London Spicer's a really, really good team. And sure. they just had that disaster inning. What was it? The bottom of the, bottom third, of the third, 13 runs that they. I mean, so just something just stupid and ridiculous. Again, that's yeah. a state tournament, right? That how many times has New London Spicer given up 13 runs in two games over the last two let innings, alone let alone to do it in yeah. one inning? So, you know, I, I think, and then, but to go back to your question, I, I think that that, so I think the favorites, I always think that's a unique story. And, you know, I think the Cologne Hollanders, we, oh, we please, mentioned yes. it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's a really, it's a really cool story. And I'll, you know, and I'll just share something. And I know some of the local people, that would listen to this would know it, but you know, Craig Peck's their manager, you know, one of the all time great guys. And he's done so much at that park. They've got lights in 2014. They've got new dugouts the last three or four years. They've built on decks, you know, they've got their phrase, you know, the hashtag best curds in baseball and Craig won't give away that recipe. But so Craig turned 60 (laughs) earlier this year Um, in May, he watched his son graduate from uh, North Carolina Chapel Hill with his doctorate. Uh, His daughter, just got a principal job. I, I want to say down in New Ulm. Okay. He's him and his wife are going to become grandparents later this fall. In June, he finds out he's going into the state baseball hall of fame. That's cool. And then in August, the first weekend of August, the Cologne Hollanders go to the state tournament for their first time in forty-seven years. That's cool. And the whole town. I live in Cologne. You know. You, oh, you yeah. know. I live in Cologne. The whole town of Cologne, I think, was there because it was just it was it was packed. And then they won the. You know the, the, the sports the sportsmanship uh, 
trophy at at the state uh, at the state tournament. So they just did, you know, when it was a sea of orange, you know, it was like their own little pumpkin patch uh, that they had at every game. And I went to because you know I live in Carver, so when you guys had the region uh, region there this year, I went down for a couple of games, and I couldn't believe it when it, when Cologne would be on. It, it was it was really cool to see. I mean, I you know, you know that that area is growing, but I didn't have any idea that that fan base was that passionate about that baseball yeah, team. And, and I think a lot of times, you know, what happens, Chris, is obviously better teams generate sure. your fan base too, right? And, you know, the, the Cologne Hollanders will be the first to tell you there were some lean years in the early 2000s and even the, the mid-2000s where how long are we going to be able to keep this going? Yeah. And, and that was, you know, where where guys were, you know, they're, they're having meetings at night and how are we going to get 12 to 14 guys that are going to give us their entire summer we're going to probably go 1 and 15 or 0 and 16. Sure. But we've we've got to have a starting point, right? And we've got to build it up. And that slowly has progressed and they kind of, you know, they kind of skipped the step this year because they had been to the region tournament twice in the last 4 years, but they'd never won a game there. So all of a sudden, and what I mean by skipping a step is you get to the state tournament and you don't just show up at the state tournament, right? right. You know, you make some noise yeah. and you have fun and, you know, you got Royce, you know, driving out to Cologne on a weeknight, you know, that doing story. an interview. And, uh, will you please, please tell a story about how they decided to conclude the game with the beer yeah. chug? Because so, I, I lost, first of all, I got the phone call X-rated version from Royce with, with <laughs> profanity, which made it even better before I got to read it in print. So there was a uh, – so so every year they get together with Spring Hill, and I want to say this is maybe the third year now that they've done it, and Spring Hill – it started two years ago. Spring Hill takes a bus, and they've got fans that come with them. And, and uh, Cologne's ballpark, for people who haven't been there, is kind of situated on a hill, and then, you know, obviously the field is is down in the gully type of deal last year cologne went up there well this year they come they started this traveling trophy <laughs> and it got through eight innings of the game and we all remember the rain every town team remembers the rain in yep. may and early june so it was starting to push a lot of team schedules back and i think both teams had like three or four league games coming up the next week so they didn't want to play anymore you know it was in the eighth inning it's a tie game and they decide for this jug or whatever that they have <laughs> that the two managers craig pexton i don't know the manager from spring hill but the two managers are going to chug a beer <laughs> and that's how they're going to decide who gets that traveling trophy that is so spectacular and rumor has it that craig pexa Chugged it first, but might have gotten just a Half little a bit, bit more on his, on his uniform. <laughs> so I think they ended up flipping a coin, and Cologne still won. That so. is spectacular. Oh, I, I, and that's the thing. There are there are a million of those type of stories that are all all across the state, and what makes this really cool. I I, I absolutely love that story. Yeah, it, and it's great. And it, like I said, it's just it changes a little bit about how Cologne has done it over the last eight to ten years. It's really, really a cool story. And I know Royce's limited on words because right. you can't go into it, you know, in, in just a newspaper article. But boy, what the one eighty that that program has done over the last fifteen to twenty years is is remarkable. And they are young. They're gonna be around for a while, but as someone who knows Region Seven really oh. well, I also know that the Waconia Lakers they weren't eligible for postseason this year. The Plato Blue Jays had just a disaster of a season. Everything that could go wrong 
did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they lost some key pieces. You're going to have Cologne. You still got Carver. You got Young America. You've got Watertown. You've got Broughton. You've got Green Isle, Green who Isle. Was kind of, who's 2-9 and nine and left for dead at one point this year and made it to the state tournament. Region 7, and, and I know I'm biased, and but... I can't imagine anything tougher than to try and navigate your way through it. And next year, you're going to find out because we get four teams into the state tournament. I was just going to ask, is yeah. that switching for you guys for well, next year? Well, right, right now, we, we still think we're going to get four. But that means we're going to have three or four really, really good teams yeah. that aren't going to be in the state tournament. Well, and that's kind of where I wanted to go next because, uh, you know, when you were talking about Cologne, I was literally, because we were the team that lost to Plato last year, one to nothing, when they went on their run to win the state tournament. And Goes I kept back th- to talking about how close, right? Oh. Plato won two one to nothing games, their first two games yeah. in the state tournament. And you think about all of the teams that didn't make it into this great tournament. And I'm talking, you know, I think we, we are a state tournament quality team, but, you know, us, Plato, uh, Waconia, you mentioned due to due to due to being ineligible, but there are a lot of teams out there that they weren't, they just knew Prague didn't yeah. make it this year. And they were, I think, I thought, Probably the second best team out of the DRS this year because they came on strong at the end and they didn't make it this year. Well, well two years ago, New Prague was in the state semifinals. Right. Last year, Plato's the state champion. Um, in 2015, Plato and Green Isle played each other in the state championship game. And then in 2016, they played in our Region 7 state qualifier slash elimination game. Man. Those were the two teams playing in the state finals 11 months prior. That's crazy. So, it, I mean, there, there's just crazy things. And again, that's baseball. It's it's one bad hop. It's one costly air. It's just one bad day on the mound. One, one bad whatever. day on the mound, yeah. yeah. So, and you were mentioning Newmarket, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. But you know, they, uh, they, I, they kind of became the team I was cheering for because they became the Fairville Lakers North with with Matt Lane and Mike Carpentier. So, you know, it was tough for me to see or, or listen to Matt give up the two home runs to Hutchinson. You know, and he and he'll never make an excuse, but he was coming back on short rest. But here's what I love about Matt Lane. If they if if someone asked him, "Are you ready to go?" He's not going to say no. I thought you were going to say Mayor Lutheran graduate. Well, I'm that's sorry. where I went to. <laughs> sorry, but, yeah, yeah. Matt, no, but uh, yeah, Matt, and that's just you know where Matt gets that. Have you had the chance to meet his dad? Oh God, I mean, yeah. you know, he was my baseball coach and basketball coach back in high school. Ben I didn't even Luther. have him as a coach, and I call him Coach yeah. Lane. He, he's just he, he's just unbelievable, <laughs> and and Matt really Matt walks like his dad. He talks like his dad. He does. You know, you can tell where he got all of the mannerisms, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I was listening to that game uh, as well, and and I was a little surprised. And what did he throw? Did he throw seventy pitches on Friday night? I mean, I know he I didn't. know he went five. I'm not exactly sure yeah. his pitch count. Um, but you know, I mean, I wasn't surprised at all that no. he was going to be back out there and that that he'd be ready to go for that game. You know, I knew he wasn't going to be there Sunday morning because he, he has to yeah church preach. But yeah, he's he's a remarkable talent and another one of those guys. And you know, we've seen Fox Sports North has done the story mm-hmm. on him before too the preaching pitcher there's so many of these great little stories and Matt Lane's just yeah. another one of them and and you know you, you let's talk about class B a little bit I mean what a great run the Chanhassen Redbirds they won f- what five, five games in four days I mean that's remarkable against the best talent in the state I mean that's that's remarkable and I it was funny because when I got there yesterday you know I, I believe I got to that game in the second inning so I watched uh, I watched the birds kind of kind of put it on Dundas right away, and I remember in between the two games I talked to Ludwig quick for Dundas who was on his way to the restroom, but I I thought I'd just chat with him real quick anyway, and he just gave me that look. He's like, "We're in trouble," you know. He just kind of had that look like they knew because it's funny that 
The team that's always in the winner's bracket these last three years ends up losing twice, including Chan Aston three years ago, because they're that yeah. close to being you know, the three-peat champion in Class B. I, I had a chance. I, I texted with Mike Arnold briefly this morning, one of the, the managers yeah. uh, for, for Chan Hassan, and he, he did confirm to me that they had a pretty good time last night I bet. Uh, over there in, <laughs> in Chan Hassan. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're just – there's so many great players there. The only thing that I would question ever about Chan Hassan is what ball player got married on Friday night uh, in, in August, <laughs> yeah, right? right? On Labor Day weekend. You know, I remember uh, a guy, and I, I won't mention his name, but a former player for the Plato Blue Jays. Uh, what the heck? I'll, Brian Boomer Grotman. And okay. he once told me, you know, Boomer was still playing in that on that 15 team, and he was the starting third baseman. He was like 44 years old, 43 years old at okay. the time. And Boomer's like, who in the heck plays amateur baseball and then gets married the four weekends in August or Labor Day weekend? Right. That should never, ever happen. That is something you set up with that soon-to-be bride well ahead. Yes. Like, we don't get, we're not getting married before Labor Day. And if she's not for it, guess what? Maybe that's not the one for you, right? <laughs> and it's because I, my brother-in-law, got married uh, the third weekend of August. And I said to my wife, you know, months back, I said, we're going to have a problem here if we're playing. Because I'm going to tell you right now, that might be grounds for divorce, but I'm going to be, if, if we're in it, I'm, I'm not missing a, a state tournament game. Yeah. And that's, you know, and there's a lot of people that are like that. And I, I've got members of my family and who have been steeped in amateur baseball for their whole life that that kind of stuff, as silly as it sounds. Oh, man. It's kind of laid out on the table, and it's, okay, so just so you understand, here's what we do in the summer. You know, we're yep. going to have this 25 to 30 games, and, you know, my some people might remember my Uncle Doug, you know, 65 years old, yep. got to bat at the Town Ball Classic at Target Field. This is his 50th year being involved with Young America Baseball. That's crazy. That's what they do, right? Yeah. And, and and that's that's what the wives do. That's now what the granddaughters do, and the grandsons are bat mm-hmm. boys on the team, and that's just the way that it goes. That's really cool. Um, and 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 speaking of that, the Hutch pit starting pitcher yesterday, fifty-one years old. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know Kyle Messner at Not all? Not at all. And, and, and I just I, the name, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think we've met. I, I know him very little. Number one, if, if you ever get the opportunity, you'll never believe that he's fifty-one years old. Okay, doesn't doesn't look like it at all. He's in remarkable shape. And three years ago, if you remember Hutchinson, when they hosted the state tournament yep. with Dassel, they made it. I believe that year it was to the state semifinals, and they okay. might have lost to Raymond. But Kyle Messner came in against Plato in the ninth inning. Bases loaded, nobody out, and got three pop-ups. You're kidding. Two two pop-ups in the infield and the fly ball to center to end the game. He wow. was 48 years old at the time. Wow. And the Plato Blue Jays were the best hitting team in the state of Minnesota. Sure. Maybe, and I don't want to say regardless of class, because I know that there's some class B teams they can hit, but that was when Plato's lineup was as good as it's ever been, and that's what he did to them. He's He's a remarkable athlete, and... Interesting other side note, the starting shortstop for the Hutch Huskies, Jaden Fleck, yep. he's engaged to Kyle Messner's daughter. So <laughs> they're re- it's really a family affair then, you know, there at, at Hutch. But you know, you know what you, she won't do? She won't schedule a she wedding won't before get Labor Day. in August. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, a couple of a couple of other things too I wanted to make mention. And I, I knew I knew that they had a great record and a, and a good run, but the Waterville Indians, the three they had three losses this year. And remind me, they lost. They lost to Jordan. They right? lost to Jordan. They lost the to Hutchinson, and they lost to Northfield. That's 
and yeah, and one of them is a Class B loss. So that, and again, they're 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 neighbors of ours down in down in Fairville. But I did not realize that that's the run that they had this year because they their first victory was a two to one walk off uh, home run in which they were losing to St. Benedict, the team that knocked us out. They were down one nothing going into the bottom of the ninth inning. And didn't didn't Waterville just hit a ridiculous amount of home runs yes. this year too? I, yeah. I know that I remember, and I think that I think that Waterville's park is unique, like ours is at Wickleman in, in Young America, where you know there, there's there's some uh, there's some nice. Uh, Advantages, and nice advantages. <laughs> we'll, we'll say it like that, where you know you, you have the opportunity, but still, you know, I, I thought I heard a number like they hit like forty to forty-five home runs. Well, that's not by accident. I don't care what the dimensions are. Sure, you know that that's not that just means you can rake, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's just like you know the Newmarket Muskies would be the first to tell you they got the short porch to right field for a reason. They use it <laughs> to their advantage. They're no dummies. But that's that's what also makes you know the the parks around the state are what are really what. I think are the are the are the showcase signature piece, excuse me, of town baseball. Well, and I think sometimes we get caught up in, and I don't want to denigrate any any parks because they all look unbelievable, but we fall in love more with the aesthetics yeah. than we do with the baseball field. Yep. And you know, obviously, we've got some parks that it's like. Wow, it, it it's really really nice. I mean, I'll use one, um, you know, Lions Field over in Waconia, you know. I don't know if you had a chance to be over there three or four years ago before they put in the stadium. It was a bleacher. Yeah, yeah, they and had it nothing. It doesn't out there. even. It doesn't even. Like I have a tough time. I always tell these guys at Waconia. I've got to know them well. I try and picture what was there before, and I can't mm-hmm. because now this field looks unbelievable. But the field never really looked like that. But it's it's just amazing you know what some of these parks have done so i think sometimes we really fall in love with the aesthetics and we think oh that's you know but it doesn't necessarily have anything to really do with the field Waconia, you mentioned so the my first year uh coaching chanhas and the first year the birds were in existence or you know the rebirth of, of redbirds was 2010 and i remember we were we were going to play a game there in waconia and they said it's by the high school and I, we, you know, the guy got six guys in my SUV, so we we pulled up into the parking lot, and I said, "Well, where the hell is it?" And there was there was literally a a what eight row bleacher yep. right behind home plate, and that was it, and the two dugouts. And I yeah. said, "What?" And, and now con- it's a fort, it's it's gorgeous. Yeah. And the concession stand was smaller than this studio that we're yeah. sitting in, and they served beer and hot dogs <laughs> and everything out of there. Yeah, you know they they did. Yeah, it, it, it's just amazing, you know what they've done. And if people haven't had a chance to see Waconia, and you can't get out there next summer, just make sure you mark your calendars for 2021 oh, yeah. because. It's amazing, and you know Chask is going to be unbelievable. I'm looking forward to New Ulm next year because there's that there's that advantage that you get when you're in St. Cloud too, mm-hmm. where you got the two parks right next to each other. So you, you've there's got be that, a lot of crossover. You've yep. got that intimacy there that hey, we can go back and forth. Or yeah, it, it's just you know I think I read someone maybe it was New Ulm that had a tweet today and said well. We're taking the baton now. We're up next. And that's really, obviously, it's something that started for them six and seven years ago when they decided to make a bid. But, you know, there's a whole new reality now that they're officially on the clock. You're on the clock. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, have they announced a a third site? Springfield. Springfield. Okay. I'm unfamiliar with that part. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know a whole lot about, uh, about Springfield either. I, 
sat and, and chatted for about 14 of the 17 innings with uh, with Pat Moriarty, who was a longtime player for the Green Isle Irish, now a principal uh, out at Springfield High School, and he just said that they've you know they've got a lot of a lot of things that they've done to the park over the last few years, but it's been the best thing that's happened to them again Good. because it's made people focus on the park and what they need to do. And, and he said, we've, you know, we, we've always had a really nice little yard, but you know how it is always with some TLC. Well, and that's it just it. even nicer because you look at some of these parks too, like go, you know, go, uh, you know, re- rewind a year ago and what the job that they did in New Prague. I mean, that field, yes, I'm sure the taxpayers weren't, you know, very happy with having to spend that kind of money, but think about you now have a sustainable park that's going to be gorgeous for the next 10 to 15 years of ball players that you're going to try to continue to develop over time. And not just for amateur baseball, right? right. I mean, look at look what it does for your high school programs. Maybe, you know, and I'm not familiar again with how everything happens down there, but Legion programs, mm-hmm. as you said, keeping kids interested. Now all of a sudden do you become eligible for district Legion tournaments for, for sure. you know, other other small, you know, smaller scale state tournaments. So, high school playoffs. High school playoffs. Yeah, you be, you become kind of a, you know, a second site or, or something along those lines so a lot of people you always hear that argument and they say oh well, well it's a lot of work to do for three weekends and it's like you got to have a bigger vision mm-hmm. than that and that's just it because new Prague, yes they had the, the orioles are one of the, routinely one of the better teams in the drs but new Prague, that that high school in new Prague, and by the way tanner oaks is doing a great job you know kind of you know bringing that program to another level but what i love about that is they're the feeder system for both the New Prague ball team, Vesely, Union Hill. I mean, to a certain extent, maybe even Lonsdale, but they're feeding four or five different town ball programs too, just out of one high school, which is remarkable. And, and you know, and that's the only, you know, I, I guess I got had someone, uh, you know, an older gentleman who came up to me because uh, Eric Croucher had done an article about two years ago and I talked about how I thought baseball, amateur baseball was alive and well. And you know, I, I had an older gentleman who kind of took exception with that, and he goes, really? "Well, I just don't." He goes, I, "I I don't think that it's it's like it used to be." But he was making reference to some of these smaller towns, and where there are you know where there are issues, you don't have, you know, my my dad always talked about playing sleepy eye, you know, in the seventies and eighties, oh, and yeah. eight of the nine players on the team were Helgets, or you know, or, or maybe it was Stark that was all Helgets, but one of those towns down there w- was all Helgets, and you know, over in Hamburg, you know, I think they had you know twenty two guys on the team, and eighteen of them had the same last name. You know, that's just how it was. Well, you don't have you know you don't have the big family farms anymore. You no. don't have mom and dad having nine, ten, and eleven kids anymore. So things are just changing. So his point was that from from a certain standpoint, when you look at it, is do some of these smaller town teams, how many of their own kids do they still have, you know, now? Mm-hmm. Because, but you see other sprouting communities, you know, and, and, and I'll use a manager um, uh, from, the, from Region 7 who once told me that just in one of our local school districts, um, one of the bigger school districts, there are 11 16 to 18 year old boys baseball teams. Wow. And he told me, he goes, Jeremy, you have no idea how many kids on those sixth, seventh, and eighth teams who will never ever touch the varsity field at this big metropolitan high school, mm-hmm. but who are all in the radius of Region Seven, who don't know about it unless somebody tells them, but they can play and they can play for a long time in that league and hit three hundred. And you know, you see that in small towns. You mentioned New Prague being a feeder system, you know. 
Norwood Young America High School, Central High School in Norwood Young America, was kind of the feeder. You know, in our school district, it's Hamburg, Norwood, who no longer has a team, Young America, and Cologne. Those wow. are the four. And the Green Isle, we also, Green yeah. Isle draws kids from, from the Norwood Young America area. There aren't the kind of players. You know, now high school teams have 16 or 18 kids in some of those smaller communities and five play mm-hmm. town team baseball. Well, that's or, you know, that's a perfect example of us. You know, we, we I know we're looked at because of the size of our town. Why are they still Class C? Well, you know, we look at the high school program. I mean, the high school program. I know Charlie's fighting like mad, but a, a lot of those you know teams, you know, like Faribault and, and others, they're just trying to get kids to keep playing. That's that's the biggest that's the biggest uh, hurdle, I guess, that he's facing right now is just just to get kids to commit to playing the game. And well, that's what makes these tournaments great. You know, I know you're a big Fortnite player, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, there's just I, yeah. I don't mean to take a, a, a snap at at Fortnite, but there's so many things that Chris kids and younger guys like that can do yeah. now that we just couldn't do 20 years ago or right lacrosse the rise yeah. in popularity of lacrosse which is great it's great keep yeah. kids active but those are kids that might might have been playing baseball you know and you you didn't have you know there there weren't a lot of family cabins back then there weren't a lot i mean just the, all of these little things that eventually start adding up right mm-hmm. and then for some of these smaller towns Let's be honest, kids want opportunity. They go off to college. A lot of times they're maybe not coming back. Um, it's just changed the landscape a little bit. So I told that older gentleman, I said, I agree with you that the landscape has changed, but I still disagree with you. I think amateur baseball is as strong as it's been. We had another another year. We had yep. over almost 16,500 people came through the gates at the, at the state tournament. Yep. All of the... The publicity that, whether it's Twitter and these town ball tours and town ball uniquely Minnesota has done, it's creating an awareness. And yep. I think it's it's bringing that popularity back. What was last year when we had over 17,000 people? The most we had since ni- 1960? Yeah. Think I, about that. That's I, I, pretty I impressive. Yeah, and I agree. And I and I think you we're going to see, I think they're going to break the attendance record. in in. And I don't know much about that, that new home landscape, but... The year that Waconia and Chaska hosted, because you're in such close proximity to, you know, all of the people that live in the metro area that might want to take in a game, but don't want to drive all the way to Maple Lake or drive all the way to Delano, but might might go to Chaska because they in they just interpret well that's close by. Well, and and it's definitely and it's not even psychological; it's just true, right? Yep. Because I mean, last year being in New Prague and Shakopee. You basically just have so many more people to choose from, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just the way it works. I mean, two years ago in 2017, they had really nice crowds in Hamburg, um, Norwood, and Green Isle. And that's what you would call the very outer fringe of the metro area. But, you know, they were they were still drawing and they still had really good crowds. So I think that you're – I mean, that definitely plays a part into it. I would agree. I think Chaska and Waconia is going to be – going to be a big one I, I think Waconia still has that there's still the novelty factor for Waconia if you haven't seen it and everybody knows about just Chaska's historic charm and their ballpark down there that makes it one of the best in the state so so those are things but don't sleep on a new Alm and I know yeah, you're I'm not, excited I'm excited but, I mean to see that, that new Alm is as big of a baseball town that we have in the state yep. and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting down there next year too and I know one of the things that someone came up to me yesterday and said that you know that they're looking forward to Faribault hosting because they might quote unquote be able to tap into a market you know like 
the Rochesters of the world, the Albert Lee, you know, the people that live down that way that aren't going to drive, that don't have a team that isn't playing, that aren't going to drive all the way up to take in a game. So who knows? You could be exactly right that they, all the Mankato area people are going to want to go go take in a town, uh, a, a state tournament. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Yeah, I, sure. I can't wait. And, and like we said, New Alms on the clock. Yeah. So let me ask you before we before we wrap things up here. Let me ask you uh, outside of Cologne because I know that was your favorite storyline of the year. But give me, and it doesn't even have to be state tournament related, but kind of some of the, your 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 broader view is one of your biggest takeaways just from this summer of state amateur baseball as a whole because you got to cover what I think is probably one of the three best regions in the entire state for amateur baseball. Um, you know, I, I think uh, it was probably a little bit the fall of the Plato Blue Jays because I don't think anybody really saw that coming. And, you know, I, I want to put something to bed right away because I've heard a lot of people come and say, you know, Boy, the Plato Blue Jays, they must have really been trying to tank so they didn't get moved up to B. We got accused of that too, by the way. You know, number one, you have no clue what you're talking about when you say that. Right. Whoever you are, wherever you are, because that couldn't be true. I mean, their starting catcher at a torn ACL, one of their starting pitchers, Adam Prain was walking around the state tournament with a big machine on his arm. He had Tommy John. Chris Odegaard, who maybe had one of the most impressive state tournaments ever, you know, he would pitch. He couldn't feel his you know, three of his fingers for three or four days. Um, his brother Matt was out the last month of the season with a bad ankle sprain. They did lose a couple guys because of – But they had to cut. Know, yep. they, because they had to cut from the whole points team. But what that does is that all of a sudden it – you know, when you're in small towns like that, you might have a really, really good team and a really, really good roster, but you might not have a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. And because there's other opportunities, right? But you know, you're looking at a Plato Blue Jays team where 23 of the 25 guys last year on that state tournament team were from the school district, and uh, you know, so I, I think that that's probably the biggest one was just seeing you know Plato Blue Jays stumble as much as they did, and then the other one was you know just the unfortunate thing with Waconia not being eligible for the postseason because they looked like the best team. In Region Seven, really? prior to prior to all of that going down, even better than Carver, I, I thought so. Yeah, really. Okay. I, I thought I thought better, they beat Carver fifteen to nothing. Oh wow! If that gives you, yeah, I did not know that. And uh, so, th- for those that are, that are listening that aren't familiar with what happened, uh, and I kind of know the story, but they signed a player that couldn't verify an address. Is that is that accurate? Or yeah, tell me what you happened? know, and, and and without knowing the whole story and getting into the long thing, because you know they were turned in by by another league team, or not turned in, but the protest Reported, was made by sure. by another league team. Basically, what it comes down to is Waconia. Long story short, they made some mistakes with paperwork that, if they had asked questions, they probably could have, have got fine. would would have been oh. fine, but just didn't get around. And so, I expect Waconia to come back with a vengeance next year. I'd be shocked if the Plato Blue Jays aren't again one of the top ten to fifteen teams in the state because they're just going to get those guys healthy and and everything will be back. So, I, I would say from kind of regional. You know, from from where I'm from in in Region Seven, those were those were probably probably the uh, the ones that came the biggest. And then maybe you know what what I talked about was Sox Center. That that was the other one that I won because nobody knew a lot about them. They beat Green Isle. They beat David Dominski and Sartell, and they had the Hutch Huskies. That's right on the ropes. Beat, yeah, and uh, you know I think that they allowed you know what was it when I was when I was looking, you know they ended up playing three games. Hutch ended up scoring five runs off them, but 
they allowed prior to that game they had allowed three two runs in the first two games of the state tournament That's and crazy. the Hutch Huskies have one of the best hitting teams so I, I think that they were they were kind of a cool story and you know a lot of people forget I mean how much does the conversation change if Fergus Falls gets that guy across in the tenth or eleventh inning, yeah. you know, on Saturday morning, or how much does it change if Sox Center holds on to that two to one lead that they had going to the top of the ninth? That's baseball, right? Yeah, and that's why we love the tourney. Exactly. So let me ask you a quick question then, just following it from afar. If Laconia had remained eligible, does that mean that the great story of the Cologne Hollanders doesn't happen? No, I don't. I don't think that that's. I don't think that that's true at all. I, okay. I think that it makes the it makes the region a lot tougher. It, it also immediately becomes tougher for Young America and Carver too. Sure. Um, so it becomes tougher for Green Isle. It becomes tougher for Brown and Watertown for all of those teams that are competing. Got it. Uh, in that Region Seven tournament, um, did did it. The absence of Waconia and a really good Plato team maybe give opportunities or better opportunities for Young America, Cologne, and Carver and Green Isle. Yeah, sure, it, it probably did, but I'm not saying that if Waconia and Plato are healthy and they're in there, that they're for sure going to make the state tournament because I've seen some really, really weird stuff in the Region 7 tournament right. uh, over the last seven or eight years since we've went to this 48-team format. Some crazy stuff, and... I, I honestly wouldn't have been surprised going into our Region 7 tournament. Um, Chris Domin and I were talking about it one day, and I said, I don't know that I'd be surprised if any one of these eight teams found a way to get to the state tournament. Wow, that's crazy. Now, some I would have maybe been more surprised with, but I, I thought all eight teams there would have a chance. And next year, it's going to be it's going to be crazy. <laughs> and, we're, and and who's hosting it next year? The region uh, next year's over in Plato at Blue Jay oh, Stadium. Cool. Okay. I don't know who the uh, I, I don't know that they've confirmed it yet because the Blue Jays do not have lights, and so there will be somebody will be co-hosting with them Probably for the Green night Isle. games. I don't think that it's going to be Green oh, okay. Isle, but I I don't know that for sure. Gotcha. So. But and and we were mentioning too just how. How you know tough that that region is, and I've I've long held, and I'm and I'm biased because you know my team plays in the you DRS, yep. and I live in Region Seven, so I think those two, along with Stearns County, are just those are I think the the, the premier, and I'm saying from top to bottom because yep. there are there are probably better teams you know from year to year, but I'm just saying that those regions as a whole are probably three of the best in Class C. Yeah, and I think you could probably include the Victory League, and that's based yes, on that's right. based on state tournament success, but you know I've had that. I've had that talk before with Rick Graham and too that it seems like with the Victory League it's always the same four or five or six teams that are coming out of the Victory League every year. I did something the other night just looking at it. Region 7 has now since 2016 has had seven different teams playing on Labor Day weekend. You're kidding me. And I can't imagine, and I, I might be wrong, but I cannot imagine that there is another league or region in the state that would have seven different programs playing Labor Day weekend over yeah. the last four years. Well, and that's like going back to, the, you know, when I when I helped uh, get, the, get the Redbirds up and running, and I just thought there's just all these kids that honestly d- didn't have a place to play ball. And, the, and, and we're seeing it with just the the growth out the Carver way. I'm right in the heart of it. There's just all the people that are just moving that way that are having, you know, they're me and you. They're 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 young families with young kids that are eventually going to grow up and play baseball at and some And getting point. these programs yep. and, you know, that's you're hoping that they can latch on and, and do something that, that we love and, you know, that you're, you're just trying to carry that over to that, you know, to that next generation of player. I always say the worst thing that I watch or that I see in amateur baseball is when I see a really talented 24, 25-year-old. 
you know, walk away and say, well, you know, I want to go to, I want to go golfing or I want to go to the lake or I want to, and I just want to say, boy, 10 years from now, you're going to look gonna back at it. that and you're just going to say, what was I thinking? Yeah. Or, or the kid that just says, well, there's nowhere for me to play. Yeah. No, there's tons of places. Yes, Trust me. A lot. As long a as lot. you're 30 miles from the stadium, <laughs> I'll find you a team. <laughs> anyway. Hey, man, thanks. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. We'll we to, we we'll can talk about again. useless information anytime, <laughs> can't we? <laughs> yeah, give a couple of radio guys a podcast and see what happens. Hey, and uh, all, all the best. I know uh, I know it didn't end the way that Young America did, but I want to give you guys a shout-out for two things. Number one, on a great run in the state tournament, but B, uh, the great representation that you guys had at Target Field this year for the Town Ball Classic. Thanks you guys, a lot. Uh, we were, we, the, the entire organization was beyond honored to be a part yeah. of that. That's that's a cool thing, and it, it's something that I I am I'm, I'm very happy for the, the team next year and the teams beyond there and yeah. get the opportunity to do that. There's nothing like it. It's really cool. Thanks, man. That was a, Thanks that was a lot of fun. I had fun. Uh, and if you missed it, check it out via the podcast. You can find it online at scorenorth.com. It's Reavers. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll chat again next time.